Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Mutt from Bow Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is a podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. It's really, really not that good. What is up, guys? Welcome to episode 185. We are on the fast track to 200 episodes, which seems pretty crazy. This is a little different style of podcast. Um, Stevie Moe is grounded, as everyone knows, from the last couple podcasts. He had a little too much fun, so he's off the podcast permanently. That's a lie. He's not really. He's <laughs> we just Me and Clint, we got together and decided it would be fun to do just a straight-up one-on-one podcast. We all have... Uh, Super busy schedule, so it's super hard for me, Eric, and Steve to get together twice a week, three times a week, even once a week sometimes to do a podcast. So I talked to Clint. I'm like, dude, let's just talk late season hunting and whatever else and uh, just bullshit and have a good time. And that's what uh, hunting camp and podcasting is all about. So uh, before we get into the, the nitty gritty here, uh, this podcast is made possible by Scent Crusher, HHA, Elite Archery, which tomorrow... By the time you're listening to this, the new hunting bow, flagship bow, will be released. So super excited about that. And uh, Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing. Um, also, Rattler Grips is a new partner of ours. Um, super excited about that. Custom handmade grips from uh, Handsome Rob. So check them out. Um, 
So that's all I'm going to say about our sponsors. Going to say thanks for them. Check them all out. Um, they help our show, you know, make it what it is and help us bring it to you every week. Sometimes more than that a week. Clint Casper, one on one, right where I want you. What's up, dude? What's up, my man? It's been too long. Oh, way too long. You got me one on one. You know I like to be backed in a corner like that. So you got <laughs> me. You got me right where you want me. That's my style, though. You know that. Eye pumping, baby. Eye pumping. Oh, all the time, all the time. The more eye candy, the better. There's no Steve here, so we might be able to get some stuff done. Eric's uh, a man of few words, so uh, it's almost uh, like he's here in spirit anyway. I mean, he is here in spirit, and then you got Steve. I mean, goddamn God Steve, you know, sometimes you just, uh, I want to kiss him, but then I want to punch him, you know what I mean? Can't live with him, can't live without him. It's one of those deals. Uh, I know. Uh, he's kind. Of, he's, he's like a hot ex-girlfriend. Yeah, it's like, well, well, sorta. Yeah, sorta like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be. Uh, we should just talk about this now. We're all going to be at ATA. You're going to be there with us. Um, the whole working class bow hunter crew will be at yeah. ATA show and help yeah. three weeks, dude. Just a uh, public announcement, a statement, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Hide your women and children. Don't let them out. We're all going to be there. Probably going to be a complete disaster, but it'll probably be a good time. So whoever's going to be at the ATA, make sure you stop in, look us up, say hi. We'll get drinks later. We can get crazy in the hotels later, whatever. We're down <laughs> for a good time. I'm just throwing that all out there right now so everyone knows. No one can blame us for you know, not putting that out there right up front. Yeah, we're staying down in the Holiday Inn right down by the uh, convention center there in, Indi- cool. in Indianapolis. So, God, that's scary. If anyone's in that area and wants to meet up and talk hunting, we will be there. We'll actually be podcasting at the show. I uh, don't know how, like, what we're going to get done. Everyone's so busy. We're just kind of, kind of going for it. So it's going to be a good time, man. I can't wait. I know. I'm excited. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a lot of eye pumping while you guys are podcasting. So it's gonna work out great. <laughs> well, we'll double up. You gotta. Well, I mean, there's a lot of eye pumping at ATA, so we'll. Uh, uh. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I can't wait for that. ATA is always a good time, man. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, it is for sure. We got a ton to talk about, but I don't, I don't want to cover all of this because I think that it can have its own episode alone. But mention your antelope hunt at least before we cut into the goods here. Oh, dude, I mean, it, <laughs> just thinking back on it, um, I'm, I'm just freaking happy to have all the goddamn cactus out of my legs and knees and hands and, and uh, oh, my God. I mean, you know, I was out there, long story short, went out, uh, met up with my good buddy Brian Barney, um, runs Eastman's Elevated Podcast, super cool dude, got to be good friends with him over the last year. Went out and hunted with him in August, spent six days, spot and stock, public ground, freaking 13, 14, 15 miles a day, just a ton of stocks. I mean, it's just just tough. I mean, they're just tough. They're, they're, they're grouped up. There's so many of them. Super fun hunt, but just tough. Just couldn't get it done. Had some tough breaks, just, you know, close calls. Um, finally had to leave and um, went to Colorado on my, my, my uh, mule deer hunt. So, I, I, you know, I only had so many days. Um I was only supposed to be there four days. Ended up being there six. I just, I just, I just got so freaking wrapped up in in hunting antelope. I mean, it's the first time I ever antelope hunted, but I just got so wrapped up in that spot and stock game. I just couldn't give it up. Finally had to, and I told Brian, I was like, man, you know, I know the season runs clear into November, and it's it's the rifle season at that point. But with an archery tag, you can archery hunt during the rifle season. So I'm like, 
I want to come back. And, and he's like, man, he's like, you know, we've never really done that. It's, it's probably going to be rough because you're going to be competing with rifle guys. And long story right. short, I had three, had three days to get it done. And man, on the last day, freaking tagged out on a, on a super good goat. And, um, I mean, just, just an epic story, you know, two separate trips out there, got it done on the last day. I mean, we could do a whole other freaking podcast on that deal, you know, just with trials and tribulations and, and I mean, the ups and downs, but yeah, man, I was super pumped to get that, you know, get that one under the belt and, uh, finally notch that tag in Montana. That was burning a hole in my pocket. It was killing me. And it was, it, it killed me to leave the end of October, which is a, a, I mean, a great time to be in the whitetail woods. So it was killing me to leave a leave a stand in Ohio to, 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 you know, to go, but gosh dang, man, I just had to get back out there and chase those goats around one more time. And man, it paid off. It was, you know, like I said, couldn't be, couldn't be more happy to get that one, uh, get that one notched me. And that was a, that was a fun one. Everybody needs to go do that hunt. Super fun. So, so, uh, so rewarding when it does finally come together, just cause it is such a, such a hard bow hunt. Right. Right. Well, I talked to Brian on the phone, oh, last week and I, I think I talked to him for 45 minutes and never talked to him before that. What a nice dude, man. Like all I could think about oh, was like, yeah. man, Clint just went out and hunted with this guy. And I just, I got to get out there and do it because the more I think about it and the more that we get closer as our relationship builds between you and I, and you tell me about all these antelope hunts and mule deer hunts and elk hunts that you've done and that right now, that's my big three moose moose is in there still, but Oh yeah. You know, elk hopefully next year. And then you just start chipping away at the totem pole of what you want to get yeah. done for your bow hunting legacy, if you will. So, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, I mean, Brian's coined the phrase, you know, I mean, I use it all the time, but I mean, he kind of, you know, he kind of got me on it as, you know, adventure bow hunting and being an adventure bow hunter. I mean, it's, it's I, to describe it in one word. I mean, has to be, you know, badass is the only way I could describe it. I mean, just, you, just the stuff you see and get to do. And I mean, it's just, it's so much fun to travel around to different hunt different species, different states, and, and you know you're you're testing your metal everywhere you go. I mean, every animal's different, every hunt's different. It's just a, it's totally different for us Midwest guys going out there and hunting that kind of stuff. Because I mean, you know, we all cut our teeth on deer and turkeys, and you know maybe waterfowl or small game. And you go out there and you go from tree stand hunting, uh, spotting and stalking and glassing and walking your ass off. I mean, it's, but it's just so much fun. It's just such a different hunt, but I love it, man. I love the challenge. And I mean, you know me, we talk all the time about it. I mean, I, I just, I would, I would plan more trips if I had more time, you know, than I do now. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, you know, and everything I do is, you know, pretty much solo or with a buddy, you know, DIY public ground stuff. So it's not super expensive, but it's just, you got to have the time to do it. I mean, week here, week there, week here, week there, that stuff all adds up. Well, for the working class hunter, man, it's, uh, you know, you got to plan out for me right now. I get two weeks a year. So it's like one week's going to elk next year. One week's going to whitetail the next year. One week will go to something else. And the other week will go to whitetail. So that's how you got to do it. One hunt a year. If I could do that for the next five years and and try and make some uh, some dreams happen, that's I mean that's living good. Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky on that end because with you know I mean I got to you know working for the county you know the the highway department with the being a state job. I mean with overtime here with snow plowing and stuff. I, I'm usually in that six to eight weeks off a year range so man i mean i i basically use you know besides spending time with with east and my son you know the, all my other times allotted uh trips so i'm usually able to get out west four or five times a year so yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty lucky in that end there's no doubt right right well it's it's one of those things we talk a lot about um 
the future. You know, it's the plan in the head for the working class person, you know, especially a bow yeah. hunter. Your time's, I guess people could argue this, your time's more valuable as a bow hunter because you have a, it's a lot harder and you, it's a lot harder of a window to get it done in that time frame. You know, oh, yeah. it's like with a gun, you don't got to be that close. With a bow, it's like it really puts the pressure on you. So yep. it's me and you have been talking about like what tags we're going to put in for. Um, yep. And I'm already starting to put in for tags. And um, I got some game plans I'm going to do. That way I can go hunt over the counter in certain states and then also be building points in other states. That way I can almost go elk hunting every year if you do it right. And then yep. build up for a trophy unit, and then in three, four years, or you know, depends on what I'm going for, I could have a really good unit to hunt. And I'm a rookie when it comes to doing this, so I'm learning as I go. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I mean, we came up with a pretty good game plan for you last year. For I think what we we did, what Utah for you, and um, we did some stuff in was it Colorado? Was it was that the other state we? Yeah, we we, we talked Colorado. I did Utah. Yeah, did Utah? Um, yeah. So I mean. We got you set up with a pretty solid game plan for, you know, a couple states already and then add a few more this year. And, yep. yeah, man, I mean, that's, that's you know, you just got to jump right in. And, I mean, once, you know, once you kind of learn the ropes, per se, and sort of figure out how the different states work, the lottery systems and the draws and who's over the counter and who's not, I mean, you know, they it's, it's not too bad, but it's overwhelming at first till you get it figured out. I mean, it really is. I mean, until... You know, I, I had people explain stuff to me when I was first getting into it, and, and once once I kind of got the grasp of it, it, it was, you know, I could understand it, wrap my head around it, but at first, man, it's overwhelming because there's just, every state's a little bit different, and there's so much stuff to try to, you know, yep. try to wrap your brain around, but once you get it all in, I mean, it's uh, it all makes sense, and it all works out. I mean, you know, like you said, you ought to have some... Here another year or two, man. You're going to have you know multiple states with good points totals in, and and you know there's there's some really good over the counter um, tags available. Idaho's a badass state with over the counter tags for elk, muleys. I mean, man, they have some. Well, Brian, Brian killed a stud uh, muley in velvet um, first week of September. Actually, right after I left for my antelope hunt with him, I went to Colorado. He went to Idaho with with our buddy Dan, and. Um, he smacked a uh, Brian smacked a stud like the third or fourth day, big old velvet like you yeah. know twenty eight, twenty nine wide. You know, I posted a picture of it on uh, on my Instagram account, but yeah, uh, you know, but that was all that was over the counter tag in Idaho. You know, he had never been there, just did his research and did his homework and found a few good spots and started hunting and got into them. You know, but yeah, it's it's an it's a very intimidating thing, and it's like everyone tells you this information of about. You know, each state, and like you said, they're all different. But it's, none of, it's like at first, none of the information sticks until you like really dig in yourself and start doing some research. And even then, I still don't know what the fuck I'm looking for or what I'm talking about. I'm just, I'm kind of just, you got to go for it. So that's that's the plan. I'm hoping I can actually make it out to Colorado for elk next year and get something done for once. Well. The one thing you got going for you, though, Kurt, is even if you really have no fucking clue what you're talking about, you look sexy while you're doing it. So <laughs> yeah. pretty much they'll probably just let you hunt there anyway. I mean, yeah. they'll probably be like, well, he's got tattoos and he's hot, so we'll just let him hunt. So realistically, you're fine. It doesn't really matter. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the uh, points, and, points and draw systems are, are stupid. I mean, you, don't, you really don't <laughs> need them. Just get tattoos. They'll let you in. It's fine. Yeah, the finger tattoos just scream outstanding citizen, so they just usually let me do whatever I want. I mean, I've got an ass cheek tat, so what's that make me? You, you, you make the judgment call. A better human than I am, apparently. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's cut into it, man, because 
God damn, is it considered late season right now? Because I think it feels like it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I hunted tonight, and it was uh, with the wind chill, like, 9 degrees. So, I mean, it's snow. So, I'm, I'm going to say it's that's probably considered late season. I mean, I did see a little buck chasing does. So, I mean, there it, there was a, a little wee hint of uh, some rutting activity going on. But realistically, yeah, it's, it's pretty much late, I'd say. I did see uh, I did see a good buck chasing a doe um, a few days ago. And then the next day at work, I saw another good buck chasing a doe. Um, and, and, you know, well, my explanation for that is, you know, there's still some does probably coming in and out of estrus and oh, yeah. there's some stragglers in there and you're always going to have that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got your second phase, you got some yearlings that were, you know, born late that are coming. You got does that didn't get caught the first cycle. Now they're getting in on a second cycle, you know? I mean, so yeah, I mean, you know, you can get into some really, really good running activity right now. I mean, I've, I've actually had maybe some of the most intense rutting activity on hunts take place in December. I mean, now you're talking it was, uh, uh, you know, that perfect evening or that perfect morning, but, I mean, I've had days in December where you see seven, eight bucks running one doe around like crazy. I mean, it was the most rutting action I'd seen all year, and it was a December day. You know, I can think back a few years ago to – you know, this exact scenario I'm talking about. I mean, it was like the 14th of December, 13th, somewhere right around there. And, um, it was actually, it was a, it was a yearling that, you know, was coming in. And I mean, there was like seven or eight bucks. I mean, they ran her around for, uh, I mean, an hour or more all over this woodlot. Right. And that's the thing you hear people, like I had a conversation with the guy a couple of weekends ago and he told me that he thought the second rut was already over. And I was like, mm, it was second shotgun season. I'm like, Nah, that doesn't add up to me because first no. rut was a week and a half ago. <laughs> yeah, you know, so the cycles don't come and go that quickly. I would say, no. if anything, yeah. your second phase of estrus or whatever heat or whatever you call it is probably going to happen now. Yeah, yeah, you got like that thirty to forty day window where they don't get caught, then they come back in. So you figure, say on November sixth, a bunch of does were in heat. Okay, well say the ones that, that were in that bunch that didn't get caught or didn't get bred or didn't cycle through 30 40 days later boom you're you're right now you're in this time frame right right this second so i mean for sure for sure well another good point like our buddy austin chandler who uh just tagged out he killed yeah, a, shot a good one yeah yep. he shot a good yep. six and then he uh like a week we did a podcast with him and ross bigger and then he shot another really nice buck but like he made a good point about like ruddy and activity um you know, we talked about the rut, the peak rut, and then like second phase or late season or whatever. And yeah. he goes, technically, if you break it down, the ruts from October to January. Oh he's, yeah, he's like, if you yeah. really want to break it down and be yeah. scientific, like deer are breeding yeah. from October through October through January. And I'm like, oh, that is, that's a hundred percent true. Yep, there's definitely does getting bred in October, and there's definitely does getting bred in early January. I, yeah, I'd agree with that, hundred ten percent. And the thing is, it's you know, guys are like. I think people want to know, like, they want to look at it as, like, a light switch. The rut's on or the rut's oh, off. Yeah. And then that's just not the way it works with animals no. in general, you know. It's, uh, no. it's you know, you have, basically what you do is you take the days that are going to be the highest odds for you to be successful is what you yep. go for. It's not a, it's not black and white like, like, no. like we wish it would be. Like, barometric pressure's doing this. All the deer are going to be moving. Oh, it's not doing yeah, this. They're going to be bedded all day. That's always what kills me is, you know, I mean, 
you know, I, I, I mean, social media is, is a good, is a good thing in ways, but in, I'll be honest, I, I honestly hate it in a lot of ways. And, and, and it always cracks me up, you know, about November 12th rolls around and someone will get on there and be like, you know, yep, haven't saw a deer in three days, no bucks, man, sucks, can't believe the rut's already over, blah, 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 <laughs> and it's like, man, like, dude, just because your woodlot's not hot right now, you could go 200 yards to the west, and there might be 27 bucks chasing does over there, like, yep. you know, like, I mean, everybody acts like, if they're not seeing deer or if their bucks aren't rutting hard on one day, but the guy down the street is like, you know, it's like, Oh man, my rut's over here, but his rut's still going on. Like that's not how it works. Like nope. different farms have different does come in at different times. I mean, one farm might have does come in late October and then two farms over that, that bunch of does might not come in until the end of November. So your rut phases on those two farms will be totally different. Early November is going to be badass on one farm, whereas the other farm is going to be probably, it's going to look like deer in September over there. They're not going to be really doing anything because there's no does in heat over there. But come Thanksgiving time, that farm is going to be on fire, and the farm that was hot in the middle or in the beginning of November is now cold as hell. I mean, it's like, you know, there's a... Everybody thinks it's like this big sprint, and it's really, it's a marathon. I mean, you know, it's like you've got that trickle effect going into the rut, then you got the trickle effect going out of the rut, and then you got the middle part of your peak breeding. I mean, it's it's literally a, you know, it's a, it's a daggone marathon. It's, it's not this, everyone acts like it's this eight-day window that all the rutting is going to take place from November 6th to the 13th, because that's statistically when all the big bucks are killed every year. Nah, not really. Nah, not necessarily. I mean, yep. That's that's just not. It's not how. It's not really how it goes in real life. Yeah, social media, like you said, it's it's a blessing and a curse, man. It really right. is. It is. But that's is. you know, I think that's the best way to look at it. Is just you know, things are it. Things are always changing. You can't just call it on or off. Is oh no, nope, that's for sure. Everyone wants to though, man. The guy that's, you know, we all know this guy, and. uh this is why I try not this sound don't take this the wrong way uh to our listeners. I try not to talk like if I'm at like a bar, I don't really talk deer hunting with like a regular guy unless they strike me as someone that can hold like a, a conversation because there's so many like just guys that are willy-nilly about it that have what I call professional hunter hunter syndrome, which is like no matter what you say, you're wrong, and I'm right, and this is the way oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, oh, jeez, I don't know. I can't even remember what, where I was going with that. But uh, let's cut into some questions, and we'll kind of just branch off of each question. How's that? Okay, we can do that, man. Let's do it. So this is uh, – we are taking our questions from Facebook and Instagram. I did a post today. This was kind of – we had talked about doing this this week, but we're like, okay, yeah, tonight works, so I made a post. So what's there is what's there. So uh, thanks to everyone who submitted a question. Um, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I am now crowning myself in the comments as the GIF king. The uh, <laughs> I love responding to comments and stuff with GIFs on uh or GIFs, GIFs, whatever. Okay, uh, Ethan Hood. Any information on targeting does after filling the one and only buck tag? A lot of tips for finding big bucks, but I found very little info on hunting specifically for does. Yeah, no, that's a good one. I mean, you honestly don't you don't hear about that a lot, but I mean, hey, if you got that buck tag filled already, right now is a fantastic time to go out and smack a big old nanny. I I did that Saturday, speaking, man. I was gonna say, speaking of that, congrats. Uh, I don't know if I told you or not. Congrats on the uh, big old nanny dough, but uh, thank you. 
Yeah, I mean, right now, late season, um, man, food. I mean, you know, the uh, the does have been running around, you know, with pretty much with most of your rutting activity kind of behind you. Um, you know, they've been running around, um, you know, for the last, say, 35 to 40 days pretty hard. So, you know, trying to put back on body mass and just regain energy and you got colder days coming. I mean, food and cover are definitely your, your two main uh, two main things you better key in on, um, you know, for those, the worst part about late season with those is, I mean, a lot of times they're grouped up and my God, I mean, if you, you know, if you do find a, a hot food source, say, you know, say the farmer down the road, just, just cut a bean field. And now you got beans on the ground that have, that, you know, were, were just cut. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might have 30, 30 does come into that every night which is which is it's, it's great but it's also awful because you've got these huge groups of does coming you've got all these eyes and noses to beat but if you can play the wind and get in a good tree with some cover and i mean you know kind of let them work past you you know i mean it's it's a dynamite time to go out and kill a big doe but i mean definitely cover and cover and feeds what you gotta you know totally uh Yep. Totally kind of key in on. And, uh, I mean, mornings are rough, man. I mean, it's hard to beat deer back in the mornings. It seems like they, they don't they don't dilly-dally around as much in the morning and late season. You know, it seems like they kind of get all their feeding done and try to get back to bed before, you know, the, the, the lights come on. But, I mean, if all you can do is hunt mornings, I would say stay away from – from food, obviously, you know, try to get in between bedding and feeding if you can, or back in the bedding. It's just touch and go, though, because like I said, I mean, if you don't beat them in, man, you're going to blow them out. But, right. I mean, if that's your only option, that's all you can do. But, I mean, if you can hunt both, I would say just strictly hunt evenings. You know, you got a better, you know, better odds of not blowing deer out. Just make sure your entry and exit routes, bucks and does, I don't care what you're hunting, entry and exit routes right now are super, super important. Anybody that follows, uh, Bill Winky talks about this all the time, and the dude's spot on. Late season, entry and exit routes. If they're not good, you will blow your deer out. You're going to totally, totally, totally screw yourself because every deer that you alert or every deer that busts you getting out of your tree and walking to your truck or going, say, from your truck to your stand, I mean, all you're doing is educating them. And in late season, you educate, you educate a big old buck or an old doe, one time and they figure out what's going on that's it because they've already been hunted they've been shot at they've been called at they've they've been blown out by hunters they've, they've already spooked and, and and caught hunters so i mean they know what's going on they know the game that's being played entry and exit routes make sure you're on point with those especially uh when you're playing the wind and stuff man i mean you know you really got to think about that kind of stuff going in and going out you don't want to be winded leaving and coming or you know you're you're really shooting yourself in the foot Right, right. And I will touch on what you said, Clint, when you said for does, um, especially where I shot my doe. Uh, by the way, I'll add that biggest doe I've ever shot. Um, yeah, I, she, I, she I knew she was, yeah, she was big, 184. Um, I think she dressed wow. out the next day at 135.8 or something. Um, yeah, it's big. That's big doe. Big old doe. She actually was feeding in a cut bean field um, off of bedding. And she was out in the field with nine other does, and I wasn't going to shoot a doe. I'm technically hunting bucks still, but I, w- I planned on shooting another doe or two for meat just to have, add meat security. And uh, I thought to myself, well, well, it's getting down to the last you know, 10, 15 minutes of uh, shooting time. If, th- if one doe magically turns and cuts towards me, I will shoot. As I thought that, this doe turns and cuts right underneath me at like 15 yards and just nice. smoked her. Um ran in dude craziest blood drill i've ever had 
And I walked up on her from the like from her rear end, and I'm like, "This isn't a shed buck." Like looking at her back, I'm like, "Oh no, it's just a monster doe." And nice. uh, big blocky head on her, and checking her front teeth. Those are the teeth that you send in to have scientifically aged. You send them into a lab and put them in like yep. this blue dye and cut them open. Those front teeth were worn down flat on the front, and. I, all I said is I'm uh, I'm gonna euro mount this doe and I'm gonna send those teeth in just for like a conversation piece. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, because you know this doe very well could be. I don't know for sure. I won't know until I don't really like to judge deer off teeth wear. You can get like a an estimate, but I yeah. like to send them in because you can be like you, you know for sure. But I'm guessing this doe. I want to say eight or older, seven or yeah. older, probably for sure. Well. While you were describing those teeth in my head, literally right now, I was just kind of saying to myself, man, that, that does got to be pushing eight or more. I mean, just by what, you know, what I'm gathering from what you're saying. And, you know, the funny thing is just, I mean, you know, when you see a big, heavy-bodied, mature doe and they walk in, she actually came downwind. And I don't know how she didn't catch me. Just, I don't know. I sit- well, I'll tell you how. It's it's because you're a freaking ninja. That's why. <laughs> yeah, I'm knit Tattoos. Tattoos did it. Well, that that probably too. The thing is, though, is see, Scent Crusher, man, I, it's I hate to like shamelessly plug a product or a sponsor, but oh, I'm with you. I use my bag every single religiously, man. I'm with you religiously. That, use it every day. I, I'm I can't say for sure it was Scent Crusher, but I can tell you it for sure helped. You know, um, and just because you have Scent Crusher doesn't mean you wear scented deodorant and go out there and think that Scent Crusher is right. going to cover your ass oh, on everything. Right, right. But yeah. um. I just got to say there's something to it. I don't know. I can't say for sure, but I'm just saying it's looking pretty good. Um, so pretty pumped about that dough, man. I was, uh, I was actually, I hate to say this, but I guess it, I was probably more excited on that dough than I was my buck this year because of, because of the age of the dough. Right. I, I would say that dough was twofold the age of my buck. You know, it's yep. something about a mature animal that you beat them at their own game and it just worked out. Oh, absolutely. I can't agree more. Especially, you know, people forget, you know, a four or five year old buck, he looks out for one, one person himself. A four or five year old doe has looked out for multiple fawns she's raised. Now you tell me who in the woods is more up to date on being cautious and being wary and really, really focusing in on details and who's probably going to pick you off quicker. The the deer that's looking out for her and little ones or just the buck who's looking out for himself. I'm going to go with the doe every time. Well, there's that saying that, you know, if you can kill a mature white-tailed doe, you can kill any animal. Uh, I'd almost have to agree with that 100%. I, don't, I won't know until I try to go kill another animal, but... uh. Sometimes it all happens and it works out like it should, and other times that big doe will catch you every time, and you just oh yeah, you just cuss her. Um, shoot to the next question, uh, Sean Polk. Um, if you don't have any standing food, what's the next best stand location for late season? Ooh, it's a good one. Yeah, I saw this one on there. I commented and liked it, and told him we would definitely get to this one. Um, okay, so uh, our scenario is um, we're on a farm. We have no crops. We have no no standing crops. We have no cut crops. Uh, maybe it's public land. Maybe it's just a big private piece, but it's all hardwoods. So where I'm going to start on this one is I'm going to start with this. Um, you're going to have to have effort, and you're, it's going to take a lot of effort. Um, 
especially with no food being there to to get it done uh not and by no means am i saying it's impossible but it's this is going to be a different style of hunt i'm going to say in my opinion um and i've actually had to hunt a farm that's pretty much kind of like what um sean is describing um in the past and killed a good buck it took, took me all year but um i scouted more and i hunted less and where I started was I got I, I got a map of all the surrounding farms and properties, and I tried to figure out where food was. So I'm going to say step one, figure out where food is. Um, I had some egg fields a few miles away, maybe a mile and a half, two miles. So so I knew you know deer were going to be migrating towards those fields for sure in the evenings and coming back from them in the mornings. Um, so I'm going to say try to figure out where food is. Um, as step one, if there's, you know, um, maybe it's a cut bean field, maybe it's standing corn, you know, I don't know, you know, some type of field. Um, let's figure out where that is. From that point, what I'm going to look for then is where, where the cover's at. If you don't have food, let's hope you've got cover. So south facing slopes, um, you know, whether it's south facing, you know, whether it's, you know, ridge lines or whether it's just you know side hills whatever anything that's south facing um you're gonna have a lot more browse and a lot more green and a lot more actual stuff growing there because sunlight hits it more you'd be surprised if you take a walk around a north slope versus a south how much more stuff's growing on that south side and i mean a lot of deer are still in late season keying in on acorns hickory nuts saplings um, buds, forbs, I mean, deer eat that stuff year-round, and just because there's no crops around doesn't mean there's not still food in the woods for deer. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're definitely keying in on those things as well, but cover especially, um, I would say try to figure out where these deer are bedding at and then try to get in that middle point between where food is. Now, I know someone's going to say, okay, what if there's absolutely no food around? So you're hunting basically big timber bucks. If you're hunting big timber bucks and there is no there there is no crop fields around, then like I said, okay, we need to key in on where's where's our good oak ridges at? Where where were there or where are there a lot of acorns? You know, you might have to take a couple days and and go take some walks and and really really scout on foot and just kind of look and see. You know, are there hickory nuts, um, crab apples? Uh, Short story real fast. One of the biggest eights I've ever laid my hands on, my buddy shot a few years ago in a crabapple orchard, and this buck was staying in a big briar thicket up on a um, up over the, the top of this saddle. He'd come up over the saddle at night and feed down into this gigantic crabapple thicket. And uh, we got a super heavy snow one day in January, and my buddy went and took his climber up in the top of that saddle and killed him that night at like 4 o'clock, like an hour, you know, or, or well, I guess it'd be like about an hour and a half before dark. And, um, I mean, it's, it's like a 156-inch eight or something. I mean, just a total, oh, just a, a, a gagger big stud. <laughs> oh, yeah, just a total gagger for an eight. But moral of the story was he he actually went in after a snowfall and took a walk around his woods and saw where all the tracks and all the beds were going. And he, and he went and found all these beds, and then he backtracked those beds to where they, the where, you know, he backtracked the tracks from where they were coming, you know, 
like what direction they were coming from. So he was following the tracks backwards, and it led him into this big crabapple thicket. And there were still quite a few crabapples hanging on these trees, and these deer were going into them and feeding, and then they'd go back up into that, over that saddle, and go back down into this big briar thicket, the uh, green briars, and bed down. So he basically just got right in the middle, got on the other side of the saddle to where those deer could not see him coming and going, and waited on the right wind, and the very first night in, first deer up over that saddle was this buck, smoked him at like 22 yards, it was a, it was a stud. That is a big eight, man. My buck, 151 or 152 from a couple of years ago as an eight is big. Yeah. I can't imagine one with, you know, six, seven more inches of yeah. of inch on that thing because that's got to be an absolute monster. But that's a good tip, man, because a lot of guys don't have the luxury. Um, like one of the farms, the farm I grew up on hunting, there's no grains or actual food sources right on the ground. So it's kind of, you don't see as many deer, but it's... You can still get it done. You'll still catch them moving through. Um, yeah. And one thing. Go ahead, Clint. Um, you know, like what we touched on earlier. I mean, you know, honestly, sometimes it's a it's a it's a double edged sword to have all the feed to hunt over because, like, right now I'm running into this problem. I got a um, I got half a field of standing beans, which is which is great. Um, there's 50 deer in this in on this farm a night. Here's the problem: when my buck does decide to show up, which hopefully he does here soon, I'm gonna have to try to try to get drawn on this buck with potentially 30, 40, 50 other deer in the field. So that possesses its own problem in itself. When you're hunting big woods, if you can pin down and figure out where, where deer are moving through or where they're bedding or what's going on, you, you won't have 50 eyes to worry about. And a lot of times there might only be seven or eight deer staying in that wood lot or staying in that thicket. And once they filter past you, if that buck's in the back, you're golden. I mean, so, you know, it's not always a terrible thing to not have a ton of deer you know where you're hunting at it and and a lot of people would say oh that's crazy that's dumb who wants to hunt somewhere where there's not a lot of deer well like i said imagine me trying to get drawn like tonight for example there was 30 some deer in this field imagine me trying to get drawn on that buck with all those i mean literally like the does just keep pouring in and pouring in and pouring in and i'm like oh my god like if this buck does show up i mean this is going to be rough trying to get drawn on this thing so you know, I mean, one positive note to the guys that are hunting big woods and they're not having the deer numbers that say I might on this particular farm I'm hunting right now, it's not always a bad thing, man, because, like I said, you don't have near as many noses and eyes to fool, which is a good right, thing. Right, right, That's That's a good point to look at it. And, you know, it's – I guess you got to be prepared to hustle a little more in this situation. Oh, yeah. Um, and the one thing I think we need to, to, to cover right now is – you know, um, Amber Mark Hurley on Facebook asked, uh, like, natural food sources for late season. And most yeah. most of that means, in my opinion, um, corn or beans. In my opinion, I would go beans late season. Um, what about you, Clint? Yeah, I mean, I mean, if we're going to go, you know, crops and stuff, I mean, it's hard to beat, you know, soybeans and corn. I mean, you're getting a lot of energy. You're getting, um, you know, I mean – Protein and whatnot. I mean, you know, it's it's hand in hand. Um, realistically, though, I mean, I'll tell you what, though, man, I have seen deer go right past standing corn, standing beans, and hit 
some late drop in oaks. And I mean, people will look at you and be like, there's no way. And I'm telling you, acorns at this time of the year, if you can find some trees that still have some oaks that are that are dropping or some acorns that are still there i'm telling you it's it's nuts but yeah i mean overall standing corn and beans or freshly cut corn and beans is hard to beat but like i said man you know don't forget don't don't count out you know your your green briars your 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 small little sapling buds your hickory nuts acorns your forbs stuff like that i mean there's a lot of that stuff that gets eaten by deer especially this time of the year especially with like you get heavy snows and stuff where they are having to use a ton of energy to move four or 500 yards towards a field. And they just, they just don't have the energy to get there all the time, man. They'll hang back and those crab apples are in those acorns. And I mean, they scavenge and they eat, you know, what's around. I mean, sometimes that's your, that's your ticket too. But yeah, I mean, corn and beans, you, you can't really beat those. I mean, that those are the Kings for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, D rock Clark asks, uh, how aggressive should I get with calls late season, whether it be doe or buck, uh slash rattlers zero this is this is just my personal opinion i would agree i i mean anyone who follows my writing podcasts um the blog. seminars blogs anything that i do or say or write you will see me talk write, and and focus in very little about calling and about sense and the main two reasons why and not trying to, to bash the hunting world, but every Tom, Dick, and Harry that goes out to Walmart and grabs a grunt call or buys a can because the baby buck was killed by it or buys a snort wheeze because Drury's used it and have had success, it's like this stuff has been overused and overmarketed, and it's been done so many times. These deer have gotten it's, – it's, it's, it's almost like turkeys, like turkeys will get call shy after the first week of season. These deer almost are call shy. Now – I'm not saying that it it can't work in October and November because it can. I've done it. I know you've done it. I I mean, I know people who are very successful calling deer. But what I'm going to tell you in late season is these deer have been pressured. They've been hunted. They've heard rattle bags. They've heard can calls. They've been grunted at. In my opinion, the best strategy is do not let them know you are even in the area or present whatsoever. I don't use sense. I'm not calling. Um, you know, from my experience during this time of the year, calling will scare away 99% of the deer you're going to call to, and you might have literally one out of 100 come in. The reason for that is mainly because, like I said, they've already heard all that in October and November. I mean, Everybody likes to call during the rut because that's the magic ticket and everyone's eyes is rattling a big one, grunting a big one, and whatever. Hey, if it works for you, great, but a lot of these deer have already been fooled by this or they've, they've came in and been shot at or they've, they've, they've got downwind of a hunter who rattled to them, whatever the case may be. I'm going with, I mean, do I have a grunt call in my bag? Yes. Do I have a bleak call? Yes. In late season, I honestly don't know if I've ever used anything outside of a grunt and that was probably a last ditch effort on a buck walking away from me. And all I was trying to do is maybe pique his curiosity and try to get him to maybe spin around. But realistically, no, man. I mean, honestly, if someone was to go in my bag right now and steal my calls at this point in the game, 
really wouldn't affect me. That's just my opinion. That's just what I do. But I'm not worried or, or, or using calls in any way, shape, or form right now. I just I think your I think your chances are way greater of spooking deer than it is bringing them in right now. So therefore, for me, not playing that game. I would second everything you just said. I uh, especially like a, a call, like an aggression call, a grunt or a or a snort. Was especially or a rattle, rattle especially. They're yeah. going to be oh yeah, they're going to be high tailing yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, next question. Uh, this is actually a pretty interesting one. Um, how do you feel about the first warm day after a week of really cold temperatures? That's like Ooh, a no. backwards question from what people would norm- normally. You yeah, wait for yeah, yeah. the first no, cold a- day. That's a very good question, and um, it's um, who who asked that question? I I think I liked that one, or I read that actually. Yep. I, th- I think I saw that one. It's, uh, it's uh, Amber Mark Hurley. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, Amber Mark Hurley. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, no, absolutely. One of my favorite. I know everybody wants to hunt the day before the front comes in, um, and here's what I'm gonna. Here's kind of what I've seen, and. Um, just from my years of bow hunting, kind of what I've noticed. Um, so let's say it's a Monday night, and let's say it's yeah, it's 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 Monday. It's Monday. Tuesday, this crazy cold front's blowing in, low temps, maybe snow. Okay, everyone's gonna think, man, Monday evening, Monday evening, Monday evening. Okay, I'm I'm not saying Monday evening won't be good, but but. In my opinion, Monday morning, when when we're all at work, would be the time to be out because a lot of deer are going to feed, 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 get their bellies full. They know this storm's blowing in. They're going to feed like crazy Monday morning. Monday evening, if that front has not blown in yet, they probably will get up and feed, but they're almost going to have themselves tucked in and, and ready for the storm to come through. I think Monday morning, you would have seen more peak activity. So then your storm blows in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Now on Friday, you're going to go from 17 degrees to 32. It's going to warm up. You're going to get a 15, you know, it's, it's, you're going to warm up 15 degrees. Boom. These deer have been huddled up. They've been, you know, they've, they've had to endure all this cold weather. Now they're going to get a break. Now they're going to get a break. I'm telling you right now, you got a change in barometer coming. You got a change in weather coming. Deer are going to be on their feet and feeding because they know that now they need to feed more so than what they were because they weren't able to with that you know with that cold streak and all that bad weather. So so now they need to replenish all the energy and everything that they've lost in the last few days. And now basically their mindset's back to okay, we gotta we gotta feed 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 because the next blast might be coming soon. So in my opinion, that day after that front can be just as good if not better more times than not i think that's the better day to hunt than the day before the front comes in in my opinion from what i've seen over the years especially with big bucks and you know what's interesting is this question the last i checked for this week it's supposed to be cold all week and right up until this weekend and then we're going to have temps into the 40s yep absolutely so this is right in line with that i'm anticipating some great hunting towards the end of the week because of that because this cold this cold weather front is going to snap you're going to have a change in barometer you're going to have that high pressure system and whatnot changing i honestly think it's going to be maybe better hunting later on this week than it is right now with the, whenever this cold front just come through um another question here uh this is kind of a little bit out of 
um, line, but it kind of at the same time. And then we're I'll hop to Instagram. So I just kind of answered them in a row. Uh, Jordan yeah. Butts asks, any bow maintenance tips or tricks for those frigid weather sits? I have, I have one tip that I guess I'll just start with. I keep my bow. There's a lot of guys that like to get all uh, hashtag fit hunter on me. And they're like, oh, I'm shooting 75 pounds. I'll shoot 80 pounds if I have to, which is all good and fine. But when you're sitting down and it's five degrees and you sat there for three hours and then you go to pull your bow back, your bow's cold and your muscles are cold. That's going to be a son of a bitch to get that thing back. That's the way I shoot. I shoot 65 pounds. I can get it back in the coals of the cold. Um, no matter how cold my muscles are, you're sitting still. You're you're not you're not ready to do that physical movement, especially if you got to stand up quick and get that bow drawn back. I like to shoot 65 pounds. That's like my trick for my bow um, when it gets down into the cold weather. And I don't know if that's a tip or a trick, but that's just my preference, I guess I should say. No, I agree with I agree with that for sure. Um, I was actually going to touch on, you know, I think a lot of guys kind of overlook this. I mean, you climb in a tree at three o'clock, you sit from three to four, then four to five, and then at five fifteen, two and a half hours later, a buck comes out. You've just sat motionless like a soldier in in, in lineup. You haven't moved. Um, you're cold. Now you're going to try to draw this 72-pound bow back in one fluid motion and smooth. What I like to do is when I get in a tree and get all set up, the last thing I do before I actually sit down is I draw my bow back. And I draw my bow back and I hold it for, let's say, maybe, I don't know, 10 seconds just to kind of loosen my muscles up a little bit and kind of get myself like, okay, I got her drawn back. I kind of got my, you know, sort of got my muscles a little bit kind of like in shape of drawing this thing back. Now, I'm not saying that's going to totally help you 110% if you got to draw it back again in three hours, but at least you've drawn it back once. You've kind of got your muscles a little bit accustomed to doing it. But I also shoot, it's funny you say I, I shoot 67. Um, and a lot of that's just because, you know, I just don't think I need to max my bow out. Um, I got bad shoulders as it is. It's easier to draw, kind of along the same lines as you. I mean, I just I, I don't need to pull 73 pounds with, with my, my bow maxed out. Um, 67, I mean, my spine stuff all lines up great for my arrows. I mean, it's just it that, that's just kind of been the magical number for me, 67. And it's a lot easier to draw that back than it is 72. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on um, not not only bow maintenance, but I'm gonna touch on some tree stand stuff too. Um, there's nothing worse or nothing that'll kill you quicker than a squeak, whether it's your tree stand, whether it's you lift your seat up and you uh, you needed some non-scented oil on where your your bolts go into your uh, your brace bracket for your seat, or it's maybe it's your Maybe it's your arrow rest. You go to draw your arrow back, and it slides on your moleskin, and your moleskin's hard. It's gotten hard over time on your drop-away. Say it's drop-away rest. you got your little moleskin on it. Make sure none of that is squeaking or making a noise because on a dead, silent, cold January night with a big bucket 25 yards feeding, you bet your ass if he hears that as you draw your bow back or that, or, or that little pop – as you flip your seat up or you you scoot your feet around to get turned around so you can get a shot, dude, if he hears that in January, 
it's over. Yep. You might you might get away with that in October. You will not. And I repeat, I will guarantee. I'll bet my truck on this. You will not get away with that shit in January. Guaranteed. It's not going to happen on a big doe, and it will not happen on a big buck. I'll guarantee it. So. Just keep that stuff in mind. I mean, you know, and, hey, shoot your bow. For God's sakes, I don't know how many people I've talked to that have said, oh, you know, I missed a buck last night. I shot three foot over his back. I went in my backyard the next day and shot my bow. I haven't shot it for a month, and, man, my sight must have been off. Shoot your bow. You're shooting with gloves on now, probably thicker gloves, maybe a face mask. Maybe you got um, bulkier a bulkier jacket on. Shoot your bow. Make sure your equipment hasn't moved. I mean, you've pulled, you know, for me, I hunt every day. My bow goes up and out of a tree every single day. It gets bumped on branches. It gets bumped on the ground. It gets bumped walking in, walking out. I mean, it rides around in my truck. Check that thing. Shoot that bow every week, if not a couple times a week. Make sure your rest is still dropping. I mean, I've had rest freeze up before in super cold weather. I mean, make sure you're checking all that stuff. That That's my biggest tips or, I guess, tricks, whatever you want to call it. Just check to make sure your equipment is still performing and you're still hitting where you need to be hitting. Because the last thing you want to do is work your balls off for an opportunity, and then on January 29th, you shoot three foot behind a buck because your rest didn't drop and your sight's off. Right, yeah, that is that is the best tip probably that you could add on that because that is an important thing. People, uh, I guess they shoot all summer long, hopefully, and then October hits and then you don't shoot it until you, you miss, and then you're forced to shoot it to see what happened. Um, Absolutely, and then it's, then it's too late because in late season, a lot of times – you're working and working and grinding and grinding and grinding to get one opportunity. And if you mess up that one opportunity, dude, that's it. Right, right. Um, cutting to Instagram here. We've covered a lot of these already. Like, what do you think is the best food source for late season? Um, when focusing on food sources, what would you do if you have no ag fields to set up on or close to? We covered that. Um, this... Aaron adds, I hunt a lot of public land with not much ag surrounding. Any help would be appreciated. I still have tags burning a hole in my pocket. We kind of covered that already, getting into the checking for alternative food sources, if you will. Yeah, um, I'd say that. And then uh, don't forget about cover. I mean, you know, your deer might be betting on you and feeding elsewhere. So there again, scout more and hunt less is probably your better option. I mean, you know, or um, do a do an observation hunt go up on a ridge where you can see you know all the way around you in every direction and just take a climber yeah you might not really have a chance at killing one but at least you're out there and you can see how deer are moving you can see a long distance you can use your binos and glass and try to figure out okay i watched five deer come out of this thicket uh i watched seven deer go over this saddle then you can start to kind of pinpoint what's going on okay well what's over that saddle oh it's a big greenbrier thicket well i better go check that out next time it snows and see what the tracks look like find the beds i mean it's it's really a big puzzle and you've got to put the pieces together but you got to do it strategically in late season i mean you you just can't blunder in and hunt every day every day every day and expect great results because you're just educating deer so you know for aaron uh, you know scout more hunt less and really key in on how are the deer using your piece of ground is there food there okay if not then is there cover there if the answer is yes find the cover figure out how they're using it how they're bedding where they're bedding and then hunt that accordingly i mean but there again cameras and glassing and scouting are going to be your best friends on a hunt like that for sure 
Definitely. Good advice. Good advice. Cutting down uh, last barn owl on Instagram asks, any gear performance changes or failures that you account for extreme cold? Uh, we covered that. Oils, uh, non-scented oils. Dude, yep. that's huge, man, especially yeah, for seats. That's the number Absolutely. one moving thing in a stand. Your seat yep. going up and down. And uh, I I'm, yep. I hunt on a budget a lot of times. I have I hang a lot of hang-ons, and a lot of them are cheap, shitty stands. So um, it wouldn't hurt to carry a little thing of oil with you in your backpack. Nope. And maybe that's something I'm going to start doing once it starts getting down into and the frigid, frigid cold here. Um, dead down wind. Uh, is it dead down wind? I think it's dead down wind. They make a cheap oil. Um, I did not know that. I did not know that. Yep, I'm writing that yep, down. Yep. They, they make a cheap um, a cheap oil. It's a couple bucks for a bottle. And you just, you know, it's got a little flip cap on it. You flip it up, you squirt it in, and you flip it back down, throw it in your pack, and you go. I mean, it's like a six-ounce bottle. But, um, yeah, I use that quite often. And I always test my stands. When I get up in them, I lift that seat up four or five times. If there's any squeaking or popping or anything, I'm squirting that oil on, and I'm I'm, I'm trying to figure out where it's coming from, and, and it's got to be fixed immediately because that is a that is a killer in late season. You cannot have that. Definitely, definitely. Um, Jordan Johnson, seven fifteen on Instagram. Um, I know Jordan, uh, great guy. He says, uh, "Help me shoot a buck on my land, Curtis. You know my setup, homie. I'll pay Clint like a G if his advice pans out." Um, I, I like his I like his lingo. I, I am that of a G. <laughs> if Jordan's got some good ground and uh I love this guy to death. Uh he's helped us a lot with the podcast and uh media and artwork and uh just different animated images and stuff that we have. He's a great guy, knows his shit about film and production and everything. Um I'm not gonna lie, Jordan, you sort of kill me a little bit, buddy, because this guy will send me daylight trail cam pictures of some slobs, and I'm like, man, it's daylight at 10 o'clock it's that deer's killable like get in there and, and i know he does but i don't know if he does hard enough um so jordan my advice for you would be to uh grit down a bit man and hustle you can do it you will kill a good one in there i know you will and i know you got cut beans get in there off that you'll get one play your wind correctly you know like like clint said hang an observation stand if you're unsure get off the get back a little bit and not be right up in their face and see where for sure where they're coming out and then make a move if you have to. That that would be my advice. Um, I will gladly come and hunt for you and show you how it's done. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. I was just <laughs> going to say, you know, I mean, if he if he wants to, I mean, I'll gladly come over there and kill, you know, try to kill one or get one killed, and then be like, okay, here's how I did it. I'm going to take my <laughs> buck and I'm going to head back to Ohio. Now I've given you the blueprint for success. All up to you now, Jordan. But no, man. Um, just going off of off what Kurt said, it sounds like you got a good piece of ground. Um, run some cameras, man. You know, figure out what those bucks are doing. Um, play the wind. Um, I, you know, I stress this about every time I'm on a podcast talking about whitetails, but I don't think people honestly take this as serious as you have to take it. I I I, I don't think. I sometimes feel like people don't give a mature deer enough credit and they act like they'll just forget about it. If a buck busts you and wins you or a big doe wins you, um, they don't forget that. I'm not saying that they won't come back, but they're going to be looking at that tree or at that spot. Like they remember, they know they live and die by that thing on the front of their face. It's wet and black. And it's what they use to smell with. It's called their <laughs> nose. They live and die by that thing. Trust me in late season. If the wind is not right, 
Do not, I repeat, do not push the envelope and go in and hunt a buck on the wrong wind because it will bite you in the ass every single time. I've done this before. Younger, dumber years, I tried to push the envelope, get a little aggressive. I'm telling you, it's never worked out once for me yet, and honestly, it's cost me some really good deer because I got too anxious and... I just basically got too aggressive, and I just was chomping at the bit and did not want to play the game the way I knew it should be played. And to play the game the right way is to play the wind and hunt a good wind. Do not don't, do not crinkle. Don't, don't fold under pressure and just say, oh, screw it. I'm going to plug my Ozonics in, and I'm going to go. I'm telling you, don't do it. Play the wind, my friend. Play the wind. Great advice, great advice. Uh, Jirok, Jirok, D-Rock, um, Good listener of ours sent us some heated snap on jacket, so thank you for that, buddy. Um, he asked, "Is spot and stock more ideal with snow on the ground or still clinging onto trees?" Well, I mean, I'm not saying you can't get it done spot and stock. I've actually killed some does doing this. Um, biggest problem that I think you're going to run into is number one a lot of your a lot of our woods now are so bare um gosh i mean it's just going to be you're going to have the perfect scenario to to get in spot and stock style and get in close um i mean it would be fun don't get me wrong it'd be a hell of a challenge but if i've got a buck tag in my pocket i'm i'm all about the higher percentage plays that's that's what i base everything off of that i do is okay is this is this is this stand a higher percentage spot to kill this buck than the next spot? Um, in my opinion, tree stands outweigh the spot and spot deal ten to one. So if we're going on the fun factor, hell yeah, man, get out there and freaking go after one spot and stock. I mean, I absolutely love spot and stock, and that's why I love western hunting so much. But if we're going off of I got a buck tag to fill, or I got you know, I have to fill freezer meat or fill, uh, you know, fill the freezer up with meat. Yeah, uh, man, oh man, it's hard to get away from a, a a good a good ground blind that's brushed in or a tree stand just because the, the your movement's concealed and I mean you're letting the deer come to you versus you come to them. Yeah, I mean that's a tough one. I mean I know guys that do it and, and they get it done, but yeah, man, that's that's tough. I mean I guess it's personal preference. I mean. If you want that challenge and that's all you're after, I mean, hey, do the spot stock gig. But I mean, man, it just it'd be it'd be hard for me to jump out of a tree and go try to put a stock on one right now. I mean, it, yeah. I, I, I I just feel like my chances for blowing that buck or doe out and educating him is so high compared to just letting him come in and come in to me and kind of work in my favor, you know. But that's yeah. just me. I would agree, man, with you because. If you're like most of us and you don't have a huge, huge farm and say you're hunting that specific deer, the last thing I want to do is try to sneak up on him because 95% right. of the time he's going to catch on to you and then you just ruin right. him for late season especially. Yep. And uh, nine times out of ten, snow's crunchy unless you get it right fresh and powdery. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. So I I wouldn't try it. And, and like you said, like it would have to be the absolute perfect scenario in order to go for it, especially with a bunch of snow. And if it's a deer you'd been hunting or, you know, whatever, I don't know. If it's the perfect scenario in my eyes being it's uh, just like an old fence row and you, it's not really like a huntable piece and you see a deer better than there and you sneak around 
the the good wind side and trying to pull it off that way. And if you spook him out of that fence row, so be it. He runs into your timber where you're hunting. So that right, right. that to me that would be the perfect scenario. And that don't happen yeah, too yeah. often late season. It can happen, but oh yeah, yeah, it can be done. I mean, I I know some guys that hunt strictly like that. Um, but man, that's a that's a tough that's a that's a tough game to roll the dice that way for sure. Well, that's a. Uh, that's most of the questions, or all of them. Um, Clint, is there anything that we haven't covered that you think needs to be touched on? We covered a lot from food to tactics to equipment, and uh, I mean, it's it's a sensitive Man, time I mean, of year, but it can still, you know, tactics can still be filled. I mean, I, I'm just gonna say, you know, to sum up late season hunting, I, I love hunting late season. Number one, because you pretty much have the woods to yourself. I mean. You know, a lot of people have either tagged out or they don't want to hunt in the cold or they don't have the drive to, to move stands and move cameras and change tactics. So a lot of times you got the woods to yourself. Um, it's a fun time to hunt. I mean, I love hunting in the snow. I personally love to hunt in the cold weather. Um, you know, it's just, I don't know. I mean, for me, I like the gritty factor and the grittiness that comes with hunting late season. I think it's a grind. I like that. I mean, it motivates me to, you know, I'm, I'm kind of coming down the long stretch. I got to get it done. Um, man, effort. I mean, effort, in my opinion, effort sums up late season hunting. In one word, it's effort. If you, if you are willing to put in the effort, change tactics, change stands, scout, move cameras, find new food, you know, change up what you're doing. Dude, there are some huge, huge bucks killed in the next two months because here's the thing. I mean, imagine you're the dude who just got back from an eight days college spring break, college spring break down in Panama. You've been rutting for eight days, running around, <laughs> drinking all night, partying. You come home. What are you going to want to do? You're going to want to eat and sleep. And that's what these bucks, I mean, dude, that's what these bucks are living with right now. <laughs> they have just lost 30% of their body weight. They've ran their dicks in the ground all fall chasing does hell some of them are still out chasing does right fighting. now fighting exactly dude they're banged up they've been shot at they've been gun hunted bow hunted they're hungry man <laughs> if you can find where they're gonna eat and where they're gonna sleep i mean they are so vulnerable right now and you know everybody knows you know i mean i'm a big i'm a big i'm a big moon guy man i mean i, I Man, I just I love late season when you got a good weather front and you got that moon peeking overhead or underfoot, or you've got it. You know, I even like that seven days before or after a full moon when it's rising and setting. I mean, I, I, you know, anytime that moon's in the sky during late season and it's cold and you got snow, I have always had fantastic hunts. I've seen great deer numbers. I've seen good buck movement. I just really, really, really love to hunt late season. And, I mean, like I said, you might have to scout more and hunt less. But, man, it's a chess match, and it, it really – I don't know. I just think it really defines guys as a bow hunter if you can go all year and you haven't pulled the trigger on a buck just because you wanted to fill your tag and you haven't just hung your bow up because you're like, screw it, I've hunted half the year, I'm done. I mean, you're still out there, you're still battling, you're still grinding. I mean, dude, like – that's badass, man. You're still, you know, you're still, you're putting in your time. You're putting in the effort. Like, keep hunting smart. It's going to pay off, man. Patience and patience will always pay off. I'm telling you. I tell guys that all the time. Patience, patience, patience. Like, late season, man, less is more. I mean, it really is. You know, you, you got to change your tactics up and you got to change what you're doing. But, man, oh, man, I mean, these big bucks have got to eat right now. They have to. I mean, they, 
you know, there's just no way around it. And if you can figure out where they're eating and where they're bedding, like I said, they are so vulnerable, and it's a fun hunt. I mean, there is nothing better than calling your buddies who are curled up on the couch watching a football game and screaming in the phone that you just freaking smoked a good one on January 7th. I mean, I mean I've been there, I've done it and you're like get your ass up, get off the couch, freaking quit making out with your old lady, bring a 30 pack of bush light. We got a buck to track. I just shot a slob. I mean, I to me, it gets me pumped up just talking about it. I mean, j- just talking about it gets me jacked up. I mean, out of out of all the deer I've killed, my four or five good late season bucks are honestly probably my favorite kills because no one's expecting to get that phone call right now. Like no, everyone's already written the deer season off. It seems like they're like, Oh man, it's January. It's Oh, I got to check my fantasy football team and all the super bowl and all this and that. And it's like, dude, screw that, man. Right now it's, it's just crunch time, dude. It's a great time to be out. I don't know, dude. I just, I love late season, man. I love it. I love the, like I said, I love that gritty factor that comes with it. I don't know. I just, I like that. I like it, and I, I feel like uh, I feel like there's a lot of big bucks right now that let their guards down a little bit just because they're tired and hungry. I mean, right. great time to catch one slipping. Well, one of the best memories I had of growing up deer hunting is, hell, dude, my dad's first good buck he's ever shot with a bow was January 10th, you know, yep. on yep. a day with six inches of snow on the ground and yep. cold as shit, you know, and... I didn't, you know, I didn't expect him to kill one that late in the season, and he pulled it off. I think, you know, end of our season's like mid mid January, the fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth in that ballpark. So, yeah, um, I think yeah, that dude, covers ours is, our... uh, ours is February fifth. So I still oh, got. Shit. Oh hell yeah, I still got a lot of hunting. That's why everyone, everyone keeps being like, "Oh, dude, you ain't killed a buck yet. You ain't killed a buck yet." I'm like. Just relax, young pond skipper. The old Jedi, he's going to get it done. Just everyone relax. There's plenty of time. I'm not, you know, I let a, I let like a 140 walk about a week ago, and a, a buddy of mine, I showed him the footage on my phone, and he's like, are you freaking nuts? I'm like, that's not him. It's not who I'm after. That's not the one. That's 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 not him. I'm not I'm not killing that deer. And, and he's like, it's late season. You're nuts. You're crazy. I'm like, dude. I wouldn't have shot that buck in October. I'm not shooting him right now. Patience will pay off. I'm still getting pictures of the buck I want to kill. I've seen him a couple times. Actually, I saw him this past Saturday morning. Um, He was out on the edge of a field just kind of browsing around. So, I mean, dude, they're out there. They're, They're, you know, like I said, patience, patience, patience. Play the game smart. Good things will happen to those guys that are still grinding it out right now. And, you know, I just want to say good luck to everybody. It's still got tags. Grind it out. I know it's a long season, but embrace it. When it's 90 degrees in the middle of July, we're all going to be wishing we were sitting in the stand freezing our balls off. <laughs> just remember that. Remember that. So true, though. It is. like it, it is, It's like after November or in Illinois, after second shotgun season, a lot of guys are pretty much done. Oh, and yeah. uh, it, yeah. it, It's easy to have that mindset, man. And, you know, certain properties don't hold the deer. Like we talked about with food sources and whatever, and you can still get it done. But it just gets less fun because – some guys see less deer because of pressure, and uh, other times, like you said, it's fun to to grit and grind down and and get it done, uh, work a little harder, and you know surprise everyone with a late season deer and and kind of show everybody up, like hey, it it's can still be done. So, um, oh, absolutely. We had more to talk about here, but I kind of want to save it for next time um, when we get all the boys here. We can we can bring it up if you want the 
that uh, this is one of the topics we have. That big <laughs> pen raised deer, I guess, that was killed in Ohio. What was it was it fucking like last week or the week before? Yeah, man. I mean, well, the, I don't even. I saw that online, and I I saw the picture of it, and I go, yeah, those those antlers are too white to be a, a wild deer. You can just tell. Yeah, it was a, um, yeah, just a bad deal. I mean, basically, uh, um, a guy lives 10, 15 minutes from me, shot a deer in a high fence on Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, took it to his, his buddy's lease that he's on the lease with, planted the deer, fake blood trail, shot a shot out of his stand so the shell was there, just basically like made the whole scenario up shoots this buck calls all of his buddies you know they, they they film the recovery they feel you know i mean just stage the whole thing and then the place where he shot it post a picture of the buck back earlier in october and they were talking about there's still openings left and everyone realized that this buck picture was the same buck that this guy was holding and all these pictures so then it all comes out it's this big fake and i mean i don't know man like everybody Right away, you know, they they bash him all over the place. And don't don't get me wrong, I'm not sticking up for the guy. I mean, it was a very shitty thing to do. It's it was ignorant. There was no reason to do it like that. But, it was kind of weird to do it that yeah, way. Well, oh yeah. I mean, but you know, big bucks and the the rage to kill a big buck. I mean, it'll drive people to do insane stuff. So it's like, I mean. Look at the bracket deal. I mean, look at some of the stuff he's done just because he had to fill a tag. I mean. It makes you do stuff that you just shouldn't do. But anyways, my look on all that stuff is it's like, man, I just hate to see any of that stuff go on because all it does is it puts, you know, a, a bad taste in people's mouth for hunting and it just puts a it, – it's just it's just not a good deal. It's not – I mean, you know, and it's like, man – you know, you got everybody now that's making memes about the guy and they're, you know, they're bashing you all over the place. And, I mean, I get it, I get it, but it's just like, gosh, dang, I just – you hate to see that stuff even take place in the hunting community because it it gives us a bad name, even though it wasn't us that did it, but still it was a hunter that did it. So it's like, you know, I just hate seeing all the negative stuff like that, man. I mean, it's just like, God, gosh dang. It's like, you know, you just you hate to see it. But, I mean, that stuff happens, man. It happens all the time. Poaching happens. People shooting pen-raised deer and claiming them to be real and tagging them as a real one. I mean... Right, you know, that, that shit's that's weird to me that someone would do that. Like, oh yeah, I'm yeah, all I mean, about like, uh, a poacher should get what they deserve. Um, yeah, and oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. but but uh, I, like that shit is just weird to me. I get what you're saying. Oh, it like, is. it's it's sad. It's sad. It's sad. It is. It, it's buck fever drives people to do some weird, weird shit. Oh yeah. Um, absolutely. And like he went to the extremes, like fake blood trail. I mean, <laughs> like. I yeah, dude, that. I mean, ah, it's, yeah, not, just not good, not a good, you know, and then, you know, local guys were, were vouching for him, so now they look like idiots, I mean, a couple good buddies of mine look like retards, because they're telling people, no, no, it's real, we were there, we helped him, so now it looks like they're incorporated in this mess, and they totally weren't, and I mean, and they had every right to be pissed, yeah, dude, it's just a bad deal, man, just a total bad deal, like, hate to see stuff like that go on i mean just stupidity on his part and i mean i don't know what what in the world he was thinking but you know i mean 
I knew there was something fishy whenever a guy told him, hey, you need to call the game warden and have the game warden come check this buck out. And he's like, oh, I ain't calling no game warden. Screw it. Like, now, wait a minute. You just shot a 282, but you don't want a game warden to come check your buck out to, to legit say that it's legal. Now, that, that pretty much raises a red flag right there. Like... Right, right. Because if I shot but that I, buck, I'd be like, yeah, have him come out. I want to watch. I want him to be like, yep, this is where it is. Yep, exactly, there it is. Land. Okay, exactly. I'm going to drive in over here and pick it up, and I'm, yep. it's tagged already. I'm going to call it in right yep. now. Be here Why I call it in. <laughs> yep, absolutely. For sure. <laughs> and then my absolutely. buddy's going to video me and you standing together Why I call yep. this deer in. Absolutely, and I'm with you 100%, man. That, that's how I look at it, too. It's weird, man. It is too bad. It is too bad. But whatever we'll move right along that's just weird shit to me um, no, it is. man i think we covered a ton of good information packed in an hour and 15 minutes um absolutely a good episode man it's it's i think now is a turning point to late season oh man it, it's time to get it done um you got a little bit longer than we do in illinois and iowa here but uh and ata is kind of gonna get in our way a little bit but ata is worth it man That that's such a good time i'm Really looking forward to that weekend, all of us meeting up. and uh, Oh, yeah, that's going to be fun. Podcasting, talking to people, giving each other hell, going out. Have, it's just going to be – it's an all-around damn good time. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's going to be a great time, no doubt. Looking forward to it for sure. Clint, why don't you throw out your uh, social media stuff quick? Yeah, you can uh, check me out on uh, Instagram, um, Casper Clint, and then uh, on Facebook, look me up, uh, Clint Casper. And then uh, you can find me uh, all over uh, Working Class Bowhunter. Um, I do the blog for him, Camel Color Blog, and, you know, on a lot of different podcasts with Working Class Bowhunter and quite a few with Brian there. East was elevated, and I do some with Zach Harold and Archery Maniacs. So, heck yeah, man. I try to uh, try to throw out the throw out the, the warmth and the welcome to, you know, anybody that's uh, in the podcast world, man. I love doing them, and especially love hooking up with my homies at uh, Working Class Bowhunter, and uh, always fun when we get together and uh, get to do when we need to do uh, need to do uh, more and more often, but, you know, it is what it is, man. Schedules are hard to get combined up all the time, but we make it work. We make it happen. Promise the people that the next podcast we do, Clint, you'll be in studio. <laughs> I got yeah, to no make doubt. you do that. No, I, okay, next one I do, it's, I, I'm, once I shoot my buck, I'm going to immediately get it field dressed, I'm going to get it caped out, and I'm just going to head straight to Illinois, um, I'll tag it before I cross the lines, and then I'm going to pick up a 30 rack of bush light once I get into Illinois, probably drink half of those, I won't be, dri- <laughs> I won't be driving, Mom, I'll have someone else drive, and then I'm going to, um, yeah, then I'll finish the other half once I get to the studio, so yeah, that'll be a hell of a good time. Okay, I got one. Oh, hey, one more question just came in. Um, Jessica from Missouri. Oh Christ! Let me uh, hold on. Let me pull up her comment. She just sent it in to us. One second here. This ought to be good. Yeah, let me see. Let me find the message. Um, this is Jessica from Missouri. Um, I think her name's Jessica. Oh no, it's Kelly. Jessica. Jessica messaged earlier, but I'm going to ignore that one. Kelly from Missouri. Um, my son was born last October and came out with tattoos and a bear on his arm. Do you do you think you're the dad? Oh. Does she have a lot of ground in Missouri? If so, I'm 125% the dad. Okay. 125%. Okay. That's... 
that's my son, and and I'll be over to see him soon. I think you can shoot two bucks in Missouri, so that's totally badass. Okay, let me write this down. I'm gonna type my message back to her now. Okay, got it. God, it's so stupid. But <laughs> you're a daddy. You were a daddy for the second time. Easton's got a. Uh, did you say it was a son that had a bear tattoo or a little girl? A, a son, I think. Oh, so Easton has a brother. Okay, great. Easton's got a stepbrother. Well, he'll be happy to hear that. I'll let him know that uh, tomorrow when I see him. <laughs> All right, we'll close out on that. If you're going to be in Indianapolis during at ATA or if you live there and you're in the area, make sure to hit us up beforehand or while we're there, and we'll all try and we'll try and make something happen. Um, Absolutely. So, Clint, thanks, man. appreciate the hell out of you. Hey, man. Love being on. Always a pleasure. Can't wait till the next time. ATA show here soon. Once I shoot that buck, I'm going live. I'm going to be naked, and I'm probably <laughs> going to have nothing on but a Bushlight hat. I hope so. Text me before you do that. Absolutely. We're going to need to warn Sam. I mean, she's, I, I don't know. She might want front row. You never know. She, might, she I wouldn't blame her, man. Wouldn't blame uh, her. Yeah. I mean, that, that ass tat's probably got her, her listening right now, I'm sure. It's, she's like, ass tats versus finger tats. Okay, I know where to go. <laughs> I know where to go. I know where to go. Well, uh, for everybody out there, as always, chase your dreams, not your liquor. <laughs> All right. Go shoot Clint your bow. <laughs> go shoot your bow. We love you. <laughs>